Hey guys, I'm Shaylee. And I'm Taylor. And you're listening to Fallacious and Factual, a podcast where we dive deep into movies and TV shows and tell you how they got the story all wrong. Welcome to another week. And I made it back. And Taylor's back. I didn't get banished. He did not. He did fine last time. So here he is again. Charity is really busy again, so he is filling in for her. It's nice when he just lives with me, so I'm like, hey, come record with me. <laughs> he wasn't working on projects. Yeah. I'm not covered in paint from head to toe. He's not. But I got a new spray gun, so now I'm spraying and painting all the things. He did. He did he did get a new spray it gun. It's giving me some like major like wrist uh gonna have to like strengthen up my wrist. Yeah. Because it feels like I have carpal tunnel now. Oh. Just, like you hold it at this weird like angle. Like Oh yeah. So you have to strengthen your wrist. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So what are we talking about cool. today? So today we are talking about the movie Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, yes. Such a good movie. I actually didn't realize that it was based on a true story. I forgot I- it, I guess, that it was based on a true story. Because I feel like I knew it at one point, but then I forgot. So then I Googled movies based on true stories, and that one came up. And I was like, what? No way. Oh, and how much do you love just getting to do Disney on real things? Right? So that's what we did. And... There's a lot of accuracies in the movie. There's also a lot of inaccuracies in the movie. Well, what if there was a podcast that told us all about the things that were wrong? (laughs) Here we are. Welcome to Fallacious and Factual. (laughs) All right. So let's get into it. In the very first scene, we see Mrs. P.L. Travers. I'm going to call her Mrs. Travers in this. so I don't have to use the full Mrs. P.L. Travers. Let's call her Mrs. Travers. She is the writer of Mary Poppins. And she is refusing to go to Los Angeles to speak with Mr. Disney, Mr. Walt Disney, about turning her book into a movie. Walt Disney had been working on this deal with her for almost 20 years. It took him 20 years? Yeah. And that's what he says in the movie, too, that he had been working on this for 20 years. And he really did ask her every year for 20 years. Oh, my gosh. That's on on the side of the author. I bet she was so annoyed by that. I don't know. Maybe the fifth year. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she was by like the second year because she didn't want him to turn it into an animation and she didn't want him to ruin it. She did not like anything that he had done so far. How do you not like anything that Walt Disney had done at the time? I don't know, but she did not. So she did have two stipulations, though. Her stipulations were script approval and no animation in the movie. Wait a minute. The like the original Mary Poppins. The original Mary Poppins with, with Julie Andrews the and the animation Panic. of little penguins dancing yeah. next to Oh yeah, that uh yeah. doesn't sound like that actually well, panned out very well. We'll get there. All of that though, the stipulations, the waiting twenty years, the him asking multiple times, all of that's factual. He and Walt Disney, so in this movie, the whole like premise of this movie is him get flying her out to LA to discuss it with her team to try to convince her to sign over the rights. He really did fly her out for 10 days. But the difference was Walt Disney at this time already owned the rights for Mary Poppins. Ah, so the movie kind of like glorified the whole seduction of the deal thing. Yeah. Yeah, he had already purchased them for $100,000, which in today's money would be $800,000. That's still for the rights for an entire book? Plus, he gave her 5% of the movie's earnings. Oh, that's got to be a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. Another big difference from the movie in real life to real life 
was that Walt Disney, after he flew her out there, he wasn't even there. So the whole movie, he's there, right? Right. Tom Hanks was just putting all of his good feelings on the entire deal. Trying to get her to agree to it. Yeah. He was actually in his home. He had a vacation home in Palm Springs because he wasn't feeling great. So he flew her out, left her note saying, I'm not going to be here. You'll be working with the Sherman brothers, um, Richard and Robert Sherman. And then he left. So he wasn't there for the entire time. I guess, like, I can see a little bit of that because he had already sealed and, like, gotten the, mm-hmm. the, the ink on the paper was already completed. Yeah. So he's like, I mean, the deal's already done. She's just coming here to make sure that she the, the her part of the contract is filled correctly. Yeah, that her stipulations were agreed to. Yeah. So she really just needed to give the approval of it so that they could premiere it. So she had to, like in the movie, how she goes through all of the songs and all of the screen rights and everything with them that's real that's oh okay did. so she sat down with the pianist uh, you said the sherman brothers the sherman brothers ah, mm-hmm. they're actually very famous they were really good songwriters for disney so whenever he needed to seal a deal he would send the sherman brothers in because they had a way of like convincing people that they i mean they were good so they would just show the different songs which actually i'll talk about it later but their song feed the birds that's in mary poppins the Feed the Birds, Poppin's a Bag. That was the song that won her over, the one Mrs. Travers over. So he was, oh, they were like. Oh, it wasn't super califragilicus. Super califragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah, no. that, that word. It wasn't that. And it then wasn't that song? In the movie, it says that uh, Let's Go Fly a Kite is the one that finally like pulls her over. But she didn't like that song because she thought that it should say let us go and fly a kite because it wasn't proper English. Because that's, that's proper gra- grammatics. Yeah, so she had but a problem that with that. Like, but you can't use proper grammar no, in music like, no. or in songs. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't flow. Yeah. So, like I said, the Sherman brothers were the only ones that were actually there. And Don DeGrady, who's also in there, he was the actual screenwriter, the older guy that was the screenwriter. He was there as well helping to convince her, but Walt was never there. So this movie does what the Audrey Hepburn movie did, and you weren't here for the Audrey Hepburn movie, but it goes, it does flashbacks. So it shows like mm, her so it goes as an back older. And forth between the, mm-hmm. the current or the current story and then what led up to that story. Exactly. So there's a lot of the times where you where you will see her just kind of dazing off, and it'll flash back to her as a kid because something is reminding her of a specific part of her childhood. So that that's what sense. this movie does. Sometimes when you're looking at a movie uh, about your life, you're like, that's pretty close. And like, it will trigger that. Yes. That memory. And this does a lot. So when it's her as a young girl, I will refer to her as Helen because that is her actual name. P.L. Travers. You said her her name was Travers. Yes. P.L. Travers is her pen name. So Travers is actually her father's name, Travers Goff. And her name is Helen Linden Goff. Helen. Okay. Yes. But when she got older and started doing like plays and writing books and stuff, she changed her name to P.L. Travers. Oh, uh, okay. Instead of pen, Helen. Pen names always throw my throw me off really, really bad. Yeah. And it's something a lot of people do. Like J.K. Rowling did it too, where she calls herself J.K. Rowling instead of whatever J and K stand for. <laughs> I don't remember what they stand for. But that's what she did. So she changed her name from Helen Linden Goff to Pamela Linden Travers. So P.L. Travers. Travers. So in the, our next scene, it shows her as a young girl, so Helen. She's outside on the grass, and her father is asking her if she has seen his daughter. 
He's like, I can't find her anywhere. Have you seen her? I think I call her. And he says, Ginty. That's true. He actually did refer to her as Ginty. All of her family called her Ginty. Oh, what is, wait, what does Ginty mean? I have no idea where it came from. So there's no like backstory of what Ginty means as like a a subtitle, sub meaning? Nope. It was just her nickname was Ginty. Oh. And she never went by Helen. She actually went by Lyndon, her middle name. Oh, okay. So. That's pretty common. Yeah. But they called her Ginty. And the scene shows you the relationship that she had with her father because she really did absolutely adore him. She thought he was the greatest person on the planet, even though he had an addiction to alcohol and was not a very nice drunk. She still just thought he was the greatest person. In our next scene, Mrs. Travers, so we're back to older Mrs. Travers. She's on a plane heading for LA. She's finally decided like, okay, I'm going. I don't have to agree to anything, but I will go. Ooh, that's that's always the that's the trap. It gets you every time. Like, uh, how many times have we sat and been like, "Hey, we're <laughs> not, not going <laughs> to buy anything," and then you sit in front of the salesman and they look you dead in the eyes and they're like, "So, do you want to buy it?" And you're like, "Yes, yeah, yeah, I'll buy that." <laughs> it's true. Too many times to count, actually. So in this scene, there's a mother with a baby on the plane, and Mrs. Travers just says, "Is that baby going to be a nuisance?" Oh. <laughs> Oh my god! And the mom's just like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> just a little shocked, a little yeah. uh, shell shocked by the bluntness of this little British woman. Yeah. And from everything, everything that I read, she really was that unpleasant. Oh. She just was not a pleasant person to be around. Just not the person that is like, I, if you're going to be an inconvenience to me, just don't be here. Yeah, exactly. So then we're jumping back to her childhood. Her family is getting ready to move and they're leaving a large home. And her dad mentions that it's for a new job. The town that they're leaving is called Maryborough and they're headed for another town called Alora. This is partially true. The Travers family left Maryborough when Helen was only three years old. So in the movie, it shows them leaving when she's like six or seven. It's always easier to show kids as mm-hmm. six or seven because. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's just a movie thing. Well, and I feel like they more just like condense the timeline because they moved from Maryborough to Brisbane first and stayed in Brisbane for three years, then moved from Brisbane to Alora. Alora? Alora? I think it's Alora. So it's the same. Like they, she didn't move to Alora when she was seven, but they had another move in between that they just kind of like glossed over. And it was probably just very like hard to find any information on it in general. Probably. And probably just unremarkable move. Yeah. There's not a lot written about her childhood. Like every article that I read, it's like the same five sentences. And then it just goes to her as an older person. Mm. So I wonder if that has a lot, anything to do with like her journal writing. Probably that. And just the fact that she had such a hard childhood. A lot of the stuff that she did write was more just stories that she wished was her childhood and not her actual childhood. And even as she would tell stories to people, she would make up different things about her childhood. And the stories were constantly changing. That's a good way to uh, self-defense mechanism. Yeah, very much a trauma trigger. <laughs> so, Trauma defense. I guess. Trauma defense. So now we're back to old Mrs. Travers. And she's in Los Angeles. She's getting picked up by her absolute chipper chauffeur. What is his name? Ralph. Ralph is his name. But she is like so grumpy to him. And 
He's just trying to be so happy the whole time. Listen, I don't know where they found this idea that a chauffeur in LA is happy. So that's probably the biggest lie in the whole movie. (laughs) He's so chipper. Well, he is not a true person. He is based on a conglomerate of drivers that she had during this time. She didn't ever have just one driver. That makes sense. I did. Very, I can see why, like, the Disney probably yeah. just staffs a lot of drivers. Yeah, I mean, they staff a lot of people, so probably drivers, too. Like I said, he was just a conglomerate of the different drivers that she had, but the producers for this movie, uh, Saving Mr. Banks, said that they wanted someone in the movie that she could warm up to, so that's why he was so cheerful, and they have a lot of, like, little connections in the movie where she actually starts to open up to someone. Well, as grumpy as you want to be, it's hard to stay grumpy at people that are just continually being happy. It's true. Yeah. So then in our next scene, we're going back to Helen, a young Mrs. Travers, Helen, and her family, and they're at their new home. This home is definitely smaller than their previous home, and it's very run down, and it's on a lot of land, but the land is like destitute. Just mm, So it's definitely not... Old. It definitely looks like uh, Mr. Travers took some downgrades in the different jobs. Yes, which he did a lot. So he was actually a bank manager for a while, but because of his drinking problem, they demoted him back down to a bank clerk, and he continuously lost his jobs throughout her childhood until he died. But whether or not this whole scene is true, when they like moved to this rundown house, like I said, there's not much written about her childhood. So I don't know what their house looked like, but the whole part of him being demoted, that's all true. So now we're back to older Mrs. Travers. I'm telling you, this movie goes back and forth so much. It's going to be like every sentence is going to be like every other par- every paragraph that we get to. We're going to be yes. like, and, and Helen and, and Mrs. Old, Travers and, and Helen. And, yes, and <laughs> exactly. So now Mrs. Travers, she's walking through her room that's at the Beverly Hills Motel, which that really was where... Um, Walt Disney had her staying. I would imagine that makes sense to me because why wouldn't you put her in like a really nice The nicest, yeah. The nicest and the best. Yeah, and he even, so her plane ticket to and from LA was first class and he paid for that as well. So he kept her like very well off while she was with him. Yeah, like I'm, you're not going to be uncomfortable here because I'm taking your characters. Yes, exactly. So in this scene, she is throwing pears into the pool. So she's walking around her whole hotel room and there's a lot of like stuffed animals in there. There's a Goofy, there's a Pluto, there's Mickey, there's Winnie the Pooh, all of those. And she's just throwing them all into closets and then there's a bowl of fruit and there's pears in there. So she takes the pears and she's throwing them out into the pool. How, what, a, what a Disney move in general of being like, welcome to your space. Here's all these toys and stuffed animals. Like, yep. I'm pretty sure, don't they do that on a Disney cruise too? Is like they give you either, Probably, yeah. either stuffed animals or they'll, they'll, they'll make the little towel animals. Yeah, I love those towel animals. I'm so excited for the towel animals. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on a cruise in a few weeks. I'm really excited about it. She did have a hatred for pears though. What? Why? Why would why a hatred of pears of all things? It was a trigger from her childhood, which oh. we'll talk about later. But just know that that part is factual. That will come up later. I wonder what that those uh, the maid or the pool boy is just like. Why? <laughs> why are there pears well, in here? <laughs> who, we don't even have a pear tree. Like, 
I don't even know. So random, fully ripe pears. Why are these ripe pears in there? I'm gonna make. I'm gonna eat that one actually because it's so good. Like just (laughs) covered in chlorine though. Uh, That's fine. It's clean. (laughs) Just probably just like trying to. eh, eh, Come here. Come on. I want to. I I love that you're making hand motions when they can't see your hands. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm voicing it well enough. (laughs) I'm telling the story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But while she is cleaning out her hotel room. She holds a Winnie the Pooh stuffed animal, and she says, poor A.A. Milne, ghastly business. What so is a- that? Wait, what does that mean? A.A. Milne was the writer of Winnie the Pooh. Oh. So she's like, ghastly business, because he sold the rights over to Disney as well. So I appreciate these little details that they put in there. Because they also, the movie's based back in the 1960s. So the stuffed animal characters that they have look like the stuffed animals that would have been from the 1960s. So like oh. Mickey's eyes are a little bit smaller. His ears are a little bit bigger before they made him more <clears throat> like kiddish cartoonish. I see. I see. He was a little bit scarier back in the 60s, I would say. Yeah. A little more distorted. Yeah. Until they figured out the correct dimensions for everything. But they did that. So all of the characters that you see, even in the end, when they're going to the premiere, they have someone dressed up as Mickey and he looks like the old fashioned Mickey. Oh, okay. It's really cool. Um, does that mean this Winnie the Pooh bear is like, instead of looking like it has like short fur, it's got like the long, hairy? Um, no, it just looked more old. Like the yellow was a little bit deeper. It was like a deeper orange almost. The eyes were a little bit smaller, things like that. So after that, Mrs. Travers, so we're staying with old Mrs. Travers, she meets with Richard and Bob, who they call Dick and Bob Sherman, the Sherman brothers. The Sherman. Mm-hmm. They are over music and lyrics, like I said, and Don DeGrady is the scriptwriter. So she's meeting with all of them. These men are based on real people who Mrs. Travers really did work with. So after she meets with them, before she even like starts working with them, she's like, I want to talk to Mr. Disney. And they're like, no, we have to start working. And she's like, no, I want to talk to Mr. Disney. Point me in his direction. That's all false because like I said, Disney's not there. But in the movie, she does go and talk with him. And while Disney is talking with Mrs. Travers, he asks her if she has kids, to which she responds, no, well, not precisely. What do you and mean? Then, what is, how do you not precisely have kids? Yeah. So what they don't talk about in the movie at all is that while Mrs. Travers never married, she was in quite a few relationships with both men and women. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. She was that bisexual. is not... So it's not included in the movie. Definitely not. That did not come through in the movie (laughs) at all. Did not come through in the movie at all. And she also adopted a son. That didn't go through the movie either. I don't remember any sons. She did not. It did not talk about them. That's why she says, well, no, not precisely. Because she has a son. She sends him to boarding school all the time. So she doesn't actually take care of him. But this crazy, you ready for this crazy story about this? I was going to add this in my end for the like factual facts, but I'm actually just going to put it in here. So she was supposed to adopt identical twin boys. They had been given up by their parents because mm, drugs. Twins or. I think they were, the parents were on drugs. And they were being raised by their grandparents. But it was too hard for their grandparents because they had taken on a bunch of other kids as well. So they were trying to like give these children to other people. Right. Trying to find them safe homes and good homes. Exactly. So it wasn't necessarily like a, a standard adoption. Yeah. It was more like. Your cousins, cousins, cousins looking for somebody to help out. Exactly. So when she went to pick them up, she ended up just adopting one of them. Wait, one? 
Yes. You can't just adopt one of the twins. Yes, she just took one of the twins because she had a psychic read her horoscope. <laughs> and her horoscope. The, she took told her. <laughs> she took one child because some because lady a with horoscope. a glass bowl and a hor and the star readings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stars aligned for only to adopt one boy. For a grumpy old woman that is very particular about things. Right? That's quite the judgment call based on what this lady at a, or like a soothsayer basically to tell you. Yeah, exactly. So she also told this boy that he was her biological son and that his dad had died in the war. Oh, so she was, so she wasn't just a storyteller. Like. She was like a straight up liar. She she was pretty much a liar. Yeah. <sighs> so you can only imagine his um, shock, horror, when his twin brother showed up when they were 17. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's a like, conversation and a story that is a little hard to explain. Especially yeah. if he's been at boarding school the whole time, too. Yeah. And so, yeah. So his brother showed up and was like, hey, we're brothers. And both of them. We're super upset for different reasons. So her son, I want to say his name was Charles, but I don't quote me on that because I'm not actually sure. His Her son was upset that he never knew that he had a brother or siblings or grandparents or any of these other family members. And the other, the twin brother was upset that his brother got to live a life of luxury because P.L. Travers was a famous book writer and had a lot of money where his grandparents who raised him didn't have a lot of money which is why they were trying to get rid of the kids in the first place oh my gosh they both were upset for different reasons listen kid that didn't get adopted you didn't have to spend the entire time in boarding schools yeah and you didn't get lied to your face for a long for 17 years of your life so yeah i mean that's they both got a they definitely did got some short straws they both did for real disney Goes on to tell Mrs. Travers that he promised his daughters that he would turn the Mary Poppins books into movies because they love the Mary Poppins books. And that is true. That is why he kept pushing for this for 20 years, because he had made that promise to his daughters 20 years prior. Oh, that might. What a cute little, like, uh, this is my favorite thing, Dad, and I want it yeah. to be even better. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I can do that. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you wish. As you wish. That movie's based on a book, huh? It is. Huh? We'll have to do that one. So before they start working, like going through the songs and the scripts and stuff, she asks for all of their conversations to be taped. So she has it recorded somewhere, everything that she asked for. Sounds like some lawyerly stuff. Right. Which is true. She really did ask for them to be taped. And you, I actually went through, there's 15 minutes, I think, that they've released to the public. So I went there and listened to those, which I, that was really cool to listen to. What is, like, were they pretty close in the actor and her voice? Or, like, what would what, what, um, what would you say her, her uh, Miss Travers's voice was like? They, it is pretty similar, actually, to what Emma Thompson did. Yeah, that's her name, Emma Thompson. Uh, kind of nasally, a lot of, like, no, no, no. It's like what she says in the movie. A lot of that uh, okay. snooty, kind of snobbish. Yeah. But a lot of what they released is her agreeing with um, Dick and Bob, though. Which, that makes it look really good on on Disney's side, because they're like, look, 
we did work with her. her. We did work with her. She yeah. liked the things that we did. Yeah. So in most of that 15 minutes that they released, she is being like, yes, that's right. Yes, that looks right. But you can tell there's a few things that she's agreeing to that she still is kind of like, about. Just with the way her voice sounds. Also, in those 15 minutes, there's a few songs in there that didn't make it into the movie. So they're like singing, and I've never heard those songs because they didn't make it. I wonder if they need to do like the hidden tracks of Mary Mary Poppins. They probably should do the hidden tracks of most of the movies because there's a lot of movies. There's a lot of songs that especially the Sherman Brothers wrote that didn't make it into the movies because they chose other songs over those. Oh, man. Can you imagine? There's probably albums and albums of like Tupac's got nothing on the Sherman Brothers. (laughs) For real, yeah. And I know Bob is still alive. No, Richard's still alive. Richard is still alive as of when this movie came out. That was 2014, so he might. I mean, it was only like 10 years ago, so maybe. Uh, but they did interviews with him before this movie came out. And he like talked about meeting with her and like how it was and stuff. But it would be cool as like a paying homage to them to release these different songs that they wrote. Oh, for sure. Or do the do the kind of thing that they did. They do have been doing with um, different uh, play musicals. Where they give one of the songs to each of the famous bands, like Panic at the Disco and oh, like yeah. with Greatest Showman. Yeah. They've got the the original movie, mm-hmm. and then they got the reimagined album. Yeah, that would be that cool. that would be really fun. Yeah, to have them go through and do all the songs that never came out. That'd be cool. So then in our next scene, they are starting to read through the script, and Mrs. Travers insists on reading the script herself. I couldn't find anything to say for sure that, that she did. In all of the uh, recordings, she is the one reading the script. But whether or not she was like very pushy about it, I don't know. But she did read most of the script herself. I can imagine that's where she gets... That's where, as a writer, mm-hmm. she wants that script to be as accurate as possible. Yes. Whether or not the visuals match what she has to say, that's that's a lot more like the cameraman and the the actor or the directors can say like well it just doesn't work very well when you do that yeah the script however she can be like this script needs to be from page 15 of book four (laughs) yeah exactly so then she mentions that dick van dyke is meant to play bert in the film which he really does play bert in the film and in the movie she responds with well we'll see about that it's a horrid idea oh how can you be have feel like Dick Van Dyke is a horrid choice on that? It just feels so wrong when you hear it when like how well it did plus how mm-hmm. well he did. Uh-huh. To hear all that and then be like, mm, she didn't really like that shot spot. Yeah, she really didn't actually, and that's accurate. She didn't like the casting of Dick Van Dyke or Julie Andrews. They're the two best people in the movie. <laughs> They're the two main characters. Yeah. She said that Julie Andrews was far too pretty to play Mary Poppins. Oh, I'm sorry. Have you not made it to Hollywood? Yeah. She wanted Mary Poppins to be more. She did say that Julie Andrews had the right nose for it, though. When she ended up meeting Julie Andrews, she was like, well, at least you have the right nose for it. That's so but like. I thought she was too pretty. That's very impressive. I'm kind of blown away that uh, she had such a picture in her mind for these things. Yeah. That she could say, like, oh, your nose is great. Your eyebrows are not right. Your whatever. Like, yeah. to be that detailed just from a picture in your mind. 
Well, because Mary Poppins was based off of her Aunt Ellie. Oh, okay. Yes. So that's one reason why she's so connected to her book, Mary Poppins, because a lot of the characters resemble people in her life. So she was very, I don't want to say controlling over it, but protective of these characters. Protective makes sense. Yeah. It's not just protecting your book, it's protecting your family. Yes. So then in the movie, they show the song Chim Chim Tree, which is a great song. Um, Bob and Dick play it for Mrs. Travers, and she hates it. She stops them, like, before they even make it through the first verse. And she does not like the word responsible that they put in because it rhymes with constable. So they say the constable's responsible. She's Wait. like, responsible's not even a word. Oh. <laughs> She's one of those uh, grammar intense uh-huh. people. Like I had said, she wanted... Let's go fly, fly a kite to be let us go and fly a kite. She uh, asked where that word came from, and they said, well, we made it up. So she says, well, unmake it up, which is true. She really told them to unmake up this word. How do you tell the people of Disney that are like, stop making things up when you're like, that's that's what they do. Yeah. They literally have millions of dollars of made up everything well and then the next song is super califragilistic expialidocious oh i'm sure sure that went through smoothly (laughs) right like mm, you don't like made up words this whole song is about a made up word yeah so like i was saying there's interviews with um richard sherman when this movie came out it's so weird that his name's richard sherman because now i just think of uh, (laughs) i was like wait why do i know that name we're going to call him Dick Sherman. Uh, there's interviews with Dick Sherman, and he quotes that from her, saying, well, unmake it up, because she really did tell him that. Her, I wonder, like, does, did they just stare at her and be like, uh... I don't know what you, to do I with this. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but I also have a boss that told me to, like, that's exactly what he wanted. There's a few times with that, like with um, Mr. Bank ha- Mr. Banks having a mustache. She didn't want him to have a mustache, but Disney did. So they're like, well, Disney said. Disney said that he wanted it this way. So, well, sorry. <laughs> wasn't Disney always had a mustache, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, that might have been a little That's bit why. of projecting going yeah, on. A little like, bit. I want my mustache to be seen in many of yeah. my movies. Yeah, a little bit. So... The reason that she hated made-up words is because her father was very imaginative. So this kind of thinking and speaking made her think of him because he would always make up words and just kind of like play imagination with her. But I thought she adored and loved her father, so wouldn't... She did, but then he died when she was seven, so it was like him leaving her because he died of influenza and and they think complications with his uh, alcohol addiction. Yeah, so well, it's like it a trigger for her. Alcohol doesn't help you fight Yeah, being sick. Yeah. In our next scene, Mrs. Travers is again meeting with the Sherman brothers and Don, and they're showing her sketches of what the movie will look like. She doesn't like any of the sketches, which is fairly true. She didn't like that the Banks were shown as a rich family living in a house that's too fancy. But she is okay with the cane, so the, not the cane, the umbrella stick. That has the parrot head on it that Mary mm. Poppins has. She was okay with that. 
And she disliked that Mrs. Bank is a suffragette, so that she has an actual job. So to make her happy, do you have a question? Yeah, why why would she ups- be upset? I, the problem is, is I have never read. Yeah, so in the book, she Mrs. Banks didn't have a job. Okay. So then, so Disney decided to give her a job, so it made sense why they brought in a nanny. Because they were like, people aren't going to understand bringing in a nanny unless there's a reason for a nanny. Right. Which she What's was the like... What's point of having a nanny if you're already if you're at home. a mother at home? Yeah. So she was saying that motherhood is hard, and sometimes there's people that aren't equipped for motherhood, and that's why they need nannies. So she was kind of saying that saving the uh, Mrs. Banks was not an adequate mother. Yeah. In the books. Yes. Oh. And that's why she needed someone to come and help because she wasn't mentally in the right space. I guess you could say to be a mother for her children. I really like this. Is a difficult. The movie is great. It's difficult to know a lot of this backstory without having read. Yeah, uh, I kind Mary of want to do Mary Poppins now, knowing that there is a book that it's based off of. Do the Disney version of Mary Poppins and see how much they changed. Because I know they changed the ending for sure. They added in dancing penguins. <laughs> so there's Blasphemies. a lot. Blasphemies. So, Those penguins. Yeah. So I kind of want to go through and read it now and do that one. But they're talking about Mrs. Banks and she convinces them to change Mrs. Banks' name to Winifred from Cynthia was what they originally wanted her name to be. And that's accurate. She did get them to change the name. And in this scene, she gets upset at Bob Sherman and tells him to wait outside, to which he huffs off and limps out the door. So when she asks, like, what's wrong with his leg? And Dick says, oh, he was shot. That's all accurate. Bob oh. Sherman really did get shot in World War II. He got shot in the knee. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. At, like, 19 years old. So Bob is a little bit of a bad A. Yeah. Survived World War. You said World War II? Yeah. And how do you, so I just kind of like mentally picture like seeing some of the most horrific things that we've ever seen in in world history and then turn around and making cartoons. Right. Like (laughs) the mental like loops and and front flips that you would have to do to go from I've killed people to. I'm going to write a story about dancing penguins. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do some dances. This is going to be really cute. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, it probably helped, though, having an outlet to focus on instead of, like, being stuck in your PTSD. It does explain where some of that darkness that comes, like, from yeah. Disney shows. Yeah. Like, come from. Yeah, where that comes from. Yeah, that's true. So he was um, actually awarded a Purple Heart for getting shot during World War Two. Yep. That makes sense. So, yeah. So that's accurate. Random little... Wait, did so did that make her respect him a little bit more? No. Or, oh. No, she was still like, mm, okay. I think in the movie she actually said understandable as he like walked out because Dick was like, he was shot and she's just like, mm, understandable. <laughs> just like, like keeps going. <laughs> oh. Are you limping because you uh, have taken a bullet? Mm, I guess that makes okay. sense. Well, you're kind of rude. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't appreciate your view. So uh, yep. that limp is deserved. Exactly. So, like I was saying about the whole Mr. Banks with the mustache thing. In the movie, she wanted Mr. Banks to be clean-shaven because her father was always clean-shaven, which isn't accurate because the the only picture I've only saw, I only saw one picture of uh, her dad, 
Travis Scott. Traverse. Yeah. He had like a full bushy beard. So there's a whole scene where they're talking and he's like shaving and he's like, I have to shave to spare my daughter's cheeks because he asked her, he's like, would you rather have clean shaven kisses or uh, mustache kisses? And she says, well, clean shaven. He's like, that's why I have to shave. I'm like, is shaving? That's all inaccurate. So I don't know where they got that from. I wonder if she has two mental pictures. One of her dad with a job and clean shaven. Clean shaven. And then one of her dad without a job and having a, like, could be, you know, growing his facial hair out during that time. Could be. Yeah. So I couldn't find anywhere for sure that she wanted Mr. Banks to be clean shaven, but they do put that in the movie. So in our next scene, Mrs. Travers is insisting that there is no use of the color red in the movie. How do you cut out an, uh, outside of it being like a black and white video? Yeah. How do you cut out the entire color red? Yeah, so they don't. <laughs> they don't listen to this stipulation of hers. The well, first yeah. half of the movie doesn't have red in it. But then there's a no. scene where mm-hmm, then there's a scene where uh, Mary Poppins puts on a red like overcoat. And that's like the first time you see red and it like slowly comes in. It's supposed to symbolize like red is supposed to symbolize like love and power and happiness. And so as the movie progresses where Mary Poppins is getting like more friendly with everybody, red slowly starts to come back into the movie. I had no idea. I I did this research. Yeah. Until I did this research, I read two different articles about it. So I was like, well, they, okay. They consciously tried to, they did, they consciously did that. Yeah. You know, Disney always surprises me on their little, their little tiny details. details. Yeah. And like the stories behind them. Mm-hmm. The story was sub, the, like the story within the story within the story. Yeah. The sub stories. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Travers not wanting the color red is accurate. She really did ask for there not to be any red in the movie. There's not, nobody knows the full reason why she didn't want it. But the speculation is because she saw her father cough up blood when he got sick. And when he died, he, there was like a, a rag in his hand that was just covered in blood. A handkerchief. A handkerchief, yeah. So they think that might be why. But most people just believe that it was her way of trying to mess with the creative team. Being like, oh, and by the way, you can't use the color red. I could totally see her. I could see being, either one. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. could see one is being like an initial trauma response yeah. and being like, I don't know how to deal with life. And yeah. the other being just straight up like, mm, screw you. <laughs> you guys put a penguin in there and yeah. so now you're not going to use the color she red. She didn't know about the penguins until the movie premiered. Oh, I bet she was so happy about it. She was She pissed. loved it. I'm sure she we'll loved get, it. We'll get to that. She was so mad. So in the movie, this is where we find out that Disney doesn't own the rights because here she's like, I don't want the color red. And he's like, Okay, do whatever she wants. And the Sherman brothers are like, oh, he doesn't own the rights to this yet. And she's like, nope, he doesn't. When, like I said before, he did own the rights at this point. So I don't that's think, inaccurate. Like, obviously, he tried for 20 years and never brought her over yeah. until he got the until rights. Until he got the rights. So he's exactly. like, I'm not spending a dime on you until I have a dime ready. Yes, exactly. Or a dime secured. Yeah. So then in our next scene, we're back to young Helen. And her dad has come home early from work. Her mother's worried because he's supposed to be working because they need to, um, you know, like live. And, and pay bills and stuff. Yeah. And he brushes her off and hands her a pair. So this is our first time that we see pairs. Uh, yep. So he's running around playing with the girls, making a story of their chicken being their horrendiferous aunt. 
So that's one of the words that he made up was horrendiferous. Oh, okay. So he was always making up words. To which Helen responds, that's a made up word. Thus explaining her trigger with made up words. This is also where we find out that her father has a drinking problem, which is true, and that he got demoted from his job. Also Mm. true. So all of those little facts in there are true. Does his best to come home and he plays with it. So it sounds like he was like to his kids. He was tried a fantastic being, father. Mm-hmm. He tried being Probably a really good father. Probably not a great husband. but Didn't seem like it. Yeah. yeah. And obviously when alcohol was involved, not a great co-worker. Yes. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yes. So then in our next scene, it's just the Sherman brothers and Don DeGrati. So uh, Mrs. Travers isn't there. But they're trying to figure out like a slogan of sorts for Mrs. Poppins. So they're saying things like an apple a day, a stitch in time. Then Bob says sugar. And kind of pauses for a second, then tells a story about how his son got a, a polio vaccine at school the day before. And he asked his son how, like, how the shot was. And he's like, oh, we didn't get a shot. They put it in a spoon with a cube of sugar and just had us swallow it. Oh, so that would, like, the spoonful of sugar helps save, the medicine helps go down? Helps the medicine go down? That's, That's where it came from. Real. That is true. It really is. That's really true. Is that why cough medicine, like, they try to make it taste good, but it just tastes awful? Probably, yeah. But that that's factual. So Bob's son, uh, what's his name? Jeffrey, got the polio vaccine, and they it put was, it in a cube of sugar. They put it in, it was a liquid, like, digestible uh-huh. vaccine? Yeah. yep. And they put it with a cube of sugar and a spoon. Yeah. The oh. only difference in this scene, so in this scene, they're all, the Bob, Dick, and uh, Don are all just sitting around together in like their office that they usually work with Mrs. Traverson. The, in real life, uh, Bob is at home talking to Jeffrey about this and calls his brother, calls Dick up and says, I think I've got it. I'll talk to you about it tomorrow, but this is the story. So he tells them the story over the phone instead of like in person. Mm. But that's the only difference. Like the whole polio vaccine story is a true story. That's kind of cool because it's just a little bit of like, oh, we love to make things up all the time. Uh-huh. But then there's always nuggets of this like, nuggets this of is truth, truth yeah. of like how medicine worked for a little while in that, during that time. Yeah, exactly. And our generation's just like, it rhymes. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> it's true. And then I'm over here like staring at my cough medicine, just like sprinkling powdered sugar on it. Like, <laughs> Please not suck. I wonder if that would uh, help it go down better if you sprinkle powdered it. sugar. I'm It'd probably just, just taste like it, but whole. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to continue not doing medicine and just like staring at myself to get hit just better. Power through it. <laughs> <laughs> just flex. Flex in the mirror. Yep. All right. So in our next scene, we see Dick Sherman playing Feed the Birds for Mr. Disney. And this was actually one of Walt Disney's favorite songs. So Walt would invite the Sherman brothers to his office every so often and have Dick sing him that song. And he would later call it the most beautiful song. Really? Yeah. He loved that song. And like I said, that was the song that got Mrs. Travers to like agree to everything because she heard that song and fell in love with it. He would have him come in and sing the song because it was mm-hmm. the most beautiful song. Yes. Yeah. And like I said, she loved that song too. I can see why she liked it so much because it had that feeling of like opera and um, and story to it. Yeah, and it was very much like a no-nonsense song. Like all of the other songs are very chipper and upbeat, which wasn't in her mind what Mary Poppins was. 
Well, and she was a, a grumpy old woman, so yeah. It, so like, having that cheerfulness was not in her, you know, normal repertoire of enjoyment. Yeah, that's true. So having that song that's a little bit more mellow and kind of laid back, she really liked that song, as did Walt Disney. In the same scene, Walt is telling Dick about a Pat Powers who wanted to buy the rights to Mickey Mouse back before it was popular and when Walt didn't have any money. So he's like, he's like, there was this guy that came in, wanted to buy it. I didn't have money, so I was ready to, but the mouse is family. So he's kind of like connecting himself to Traverse, how she doesn't want to like sign everything over yet. Why? And so they were kind of in the, in the scene, they're asking like, why is it, won't she do this? Like, yeah. I don't understand. And he's, and, and so he's he like, I understand. Some background. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. Like that's his creation and yeah. his family. And, and to her, Mary Poppins is her creation and her family. But from what I've read, this whole Pat Power story isn't entirely true. Pat Powers was the first cartoon distributor of the Mickey Mouse videos. And he owned Celebrity Productions, which was the uh, company that would distribute Mickey Mouse. And he was cheating Walt by not paying him what he owed him. Oh. But he wouldn't show because he had to pay basically royalties to Disney. Mm-hmm. But he would never show Disney how much he was making. And it was Disney's brother that was like, hey, I think he's swindling I think he's, you. Yeah, I think he's taken too much from the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then when Walt confronted him about it, Pat decided to um, cut ties with Walt Disney and ended up hiring Walt's head animator to an exclusive deal to just work with Pat Powers. So he like took his... Oh, no. Yeah. So he he tried to steal Mickey through his animator. Through, mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. But wasn't able to, but still like hired his head animator. And Walt ended up going to, I didn't write it down, to a different studio, basically, to then um, distribute uh, Mickey Mouse. Oh, wow. So a little bit different. So he wasn't trying to buy the rights. A but... little bit of a journey for old Mickey Mouse, too. Yeah. Yeah. So then, in our next scene, young Helen is pretending to be a hen and lay some eggs. There is actually record of some kids her age remembering her pretending to be hens. Oh, so once upon a time, she had a fun imagination, imagination. full of childlike yeah. feelings. Yeah, she did. And she would pretend to be a chicken. Whether or not her father yelled at her mother over this, I'm not sure. Because in that scene, he gets like pissed off because the mom's like, I need you to help me laid the table for dinner and he's like she's laying can't you see she's laying and starts like yelling at her i don't know if any of that's true but knowing who her father was and the fact that he was a mean drunk it's not too far-fetched that yelling like this would happen right he was always trying to push the narrative of i'm the good father yes and i'm gonna protect my kids yes uh imagination and innocence Mm -hmm. and fun And you, woman, are the one that's ruining everything. Yes. So while there's not complete record about it, I could see something like that happening. So then in our next scene, we see Mrs. Travers listening to the bank song about putting your, your coins in the bank. And she's having a flashback of her father. In this scene, he gets very drunk, and he's supposed to be handing out medals at a carnival. 
there isn't much written about him more than like what I've already said. So if this scene is true about this whole carnival, I don't know. It might just be part of the the way Disney wants to tell the story. Yes. And in this scene, he is the bank manager, which that is not accurate because he was demoted to a bank clerk at this time. So he wouldn't have been handing out medals if there was a carnival like this because he wasn't the manager of the bank. He is drinking in this scene, though, and ends up falling off of the stage and gets injured. And that's when he first starts getting sick is after this injury. Again, whether or not that's true, I don't know. I do know that he gets sick and he does die because of the sickness. But I don't know if there's a fall that causes him to injure his back. I'm not sure about that. What did he... What was the sickness that he got influenza influenza okay Mm -hmm. and that did end up killing him and in the next scene young helen is with her father while he's sick in bed and he asks her to bring him his special medicine quote-unquote special medicine aka his alcohol yes and he gets mad because she tells him that mother moved it she doesn't know where it is she had also written him a poem to which he responds it's hardly yates is it which Yates is a famous poem writer. So he was like very oh, mean so right that's, here. He yes. finally, a little bit of the reality starts to seep when he yeah. is really not feeling that great. Yeah. I wonder if that meant that Miss Traverse is not a big fan of Yates because she seems to hate everything that associates to her father. Maybe. I don't know. I do know that she did start writing poems at a young age and loved writing poems. But whether or not this whole interaction happened with him... There's she not never anything. No. And like I said, he was super sick, though. Did die of influenza. So then we see in the next scene, Mrs. Travers is having a heart to heart with her driver, Ralph. And you find out that Ralph's daughter is disabled. And she kind of softens a little bit as he's talking about his daughter. Like I said before, Ralph's not based on an actual character. So but it is based off a conglomerate of characters. So I don't one of know. her drivers might have had such a condition. Maybe. Yeah, there's no record of it. Okay. Um. Again, this is just Disney's way of trying to get her to be able to open up to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's how they made it happen. And she has a good connection with him. And actually, in the end of the movie, or closer to the end of the movie, when she's leaving to go back to London, she gives him um, like a book. And in the book is written all of these different people that had... Uh, disabilities and she's Mm. like your daughter can do anything that she puts her mind to just like all of these other people did and then she makes fun of disney saying that disney has how how does she word it it's like it's basically like adhd ADHD. yeah it's like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder i think is what she says and she's like it it explains so much (laughs) just like (laughs) he probably does though looking at who he was he probably did have adhd so but that whole scene with them connecting didn't actually happen because he's not an actual person and then our next scene Trigger warning for a suicide attempt. Young Helen is in bed, and she wakes up to see her mother standing over her. She tells Helen that she knows that Helen loves her father more, and then she tells her to take care of her sisters and turns around and leaves. She walks down to the lake, and you can hear the baby crying in the background. This scene is all fairly factual. Helen's mother did try to commit suicide. So she walked down to the lake and walked into the lake and tried to drown herself. Oh my gosh. How do you, like, as a child, no wonders, like, Miss Traverse is so, like, macabre because yeah. her father died from alcoholism and her mother tried was. Tried to commit suicide. 
basically trying to kill herself mm-hmm. and looked at like had your parent look at you and be like um it's your responsibility now yeah i'm tapping out take care of your sisters yeah in the movie helen follows on a horse like she hops on the horse and uh, rides down to the lake and like watches her mom walk into the lake and she walks in behind her mom and almost like snaps her mom out of this trance that she's in so she like taps her on the shoulder and her mom like freaks out and turns around she's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and like hugs helen when in reality her mom left helen stayed at the house with her two sisters they sat in front of the fireplace and she told her sisters a story about a white unicorn and just like basically story story tells the entire time the mom's gone they end up falling asleep the mom returns the next morning having failed the attempt at suicide oh yeah so what like uh really impressive on her part for just being like i am just gonna create a story and protect Mm -hmm. my family and protect their innocence and protect their minds yeah and she was only like seven years old because this was right after her dad died so she was little with like two little babies sitting in front of this fireplace telling them a story so is it one of those things where it definitely um where her mom had a uh, postpartum. I don't know if it was postpartum because the baby was older at this point. I mean, it was still a baby. So maybe that was part of postpartum. It was definitely a depression. Yeah, definitely a depression. Yeah. But whether or not it was actually like postpartum depression, I'm not sure, but she definitely did have a uh, depression and her sister. So aunt Ellie, who Mary Poppins is based off of comes to stay with them at this point to like mm. help her mom. So this is where the beginnings of mary poppins start Mm -hmm. to formulate in her tiny mind yeah and it's also like when she was talking about um how she was mad that disney was trying to give mrs banks a job because they were like why would she need a maid when she's at home and she says well not everyone is meant to be a mother that's kind of where this this comes Mm, from that's where that it's a dig on her own mother yeah because her mother stared her in the eyeballs and says i'm not i'm done being a mother yeah And tries to leave permanently. Yeah. Which she didn't, but it still did leave like a scar, basically. Trauma on this little <laughs> seven-year-old. Trauma. Trauma. A little random note here. In the whole movie, Walt Disney has a cough. Like he's just like constantly coughing. And this is accurate. He did have a cough. It, they actually called it his infamous cough. He was an avid smoker. Oh, Which okay. he actually died of lung cancer. Oh. Which I didn't know until I uh, researched this. I didn't know that he died from that either. I thought he was still frozen in some sort of hyperbolic time chamber. <laughs> no. no, he's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, he had his infamous cough. So all like always in the movie, he's just always coughing. And that's how people know like he's coming because he's coughing. It was like that consistent? Uh, uh-huh, that consistent. Oh, that would be so obnoxious in meetings then. Yeah, there was a... I didn't write it down. But there was something that one of the, I think it was Don DeGrati said, as Walt was coming, you could hear him coughing. And he was, and he says something like, the man is in the jungle, I think is what he says. And that's what people would say when they knew Walt was coming and be like, hey, Walt's walking into the room. But they could usually hear his cough leading up to him coming in. Mm. So you'd hear his cough, they'd say, the man is in the jungle, and then he'd walk in. <laughs> yeah, but he says that in the movie. Like, that's a line that he says in the movie. And in my research, that's like a real thing that they would say as he was coming. 
That's really interesting. Random little I, tidbits. Uh, I think about some of the coworkers that I've had that have had like a little bit of like a clear throat on a more consistent. Yeah. And you get to like three and then you're staring at them like, do it again. <laughs> like, do it again. Clear stop. your throat one more time. <laughs> and and it just like it slowly gets on your nerves. So I wonder how many yeah. of Walt's people were just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's Please true. drink some drink some water, old man. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> stop so coughing. Nervous. Would you stop coughing? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So he was an avid smoker, and he did have an infamous cough. But anyway, in our next scene, Walt is trying to convince Mrs. Travers to go to Disneyland with him. This is inaccurate because, like I said, he was gone during this time, so he did not take her to Disneyland. Right, uh, because he was in. Palm Springs. Palm Springs the mm-hmm. entire time. At his vacation home. For, yep. for the 10 days. Yes. And in our next scene, we're back to young Helen. I do have a question on that, actually. Yeah. Did she ever go to Disneyland she in her did. life? She did go to Disneyland with her... One of her drivers took her to Disneyland. And I want to say I talk about it later, but maybe I don't. Uh, one of her drivers took her to Disneyland and she didn't love it. There was a ride that she went on that she did like, but it wasn't the carousel because in the movie, like she goes on the carousel and that's when she's kind of like deciding that she might actually like Disneyland, but it wasn't that. I'll have to see if it's not in here. I'll quickly look it up before we finish Um, because I did read about it, but there was one of the rides that she was actually okay with, but I can't remember which one it was. It's a small world. Probably. Mm, She got that unhappy tune stuck in her mind and it just made her more macabre and it just like that's what vibrated with her for the rest of her life fun fact the sherman brothers wrote that song i hate them so much <laughs> that's what in one of in the interview that they had with uh with the dick sherman uh, when this movie came out he said that they wrote that song and he's like people either love us or hate us because of that tune Oh, it's definitely a hatred. Yeah, for some people. Some people really love it and they love that ride. I went on that ride once and I've never gone back. It was enough. Yeah, no, don't need any more. Yeah, as much as I love Disneyland, I'm definitely a Disneyland over Disney World girl, but that ride You're just is a not Disney one. woman. I am a Disney woman, but I do like Disneyland more. Jade and I were talking about it the other day that we're both, even though she's worked at Disney World for the last year, she's still a Disneyland girl. You guys are, that's mostly because you, uh, oh, there's a word. No, I can't think of it. <laughs> There's a kid chasing his dog outside. I just keep watching them run past the dog runs first and the kid runs after. <laughs> but what were you saying? You and Jade like Disneyland so much more because that was your guys' first experience together. And so that nostalgia will always beat everything else. Yeah, that's probably true. I also, I was, who was I talking to about this? I think one of my clients, I was talking to them saying that like with Disneyland, it's so much more simplified because there's only the two parks and you can hit both parks in one day. So I feel like Disney World is a little bit more overwhelming to me because you have to travel to each park. So there's so much more going on that it, with my anxiety brain, it's just a lot. Where like Disneyland, it's like, here's everything in a tight little package with a little bow. Yeah. And the worst thing about, about that tight little package with a little bow is they put in 18,000 cockroaches a day. People. Cockro- oh, I was like, what are you talking about? I have never seen a cockroach at Disneyland. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Disneyland's like the cleanest place on earth. You could eat off of the grounds. No, we are. We are. Oh, yeah. They do. They do do that. But they also have sourdough bread bowls, which are perfection. Anyway, we'll get back to uh, (laughs) a little side tangents. 
So I did write some of that down. So I said that she was actually taken by someone named Bill Dover. He was one of her drivers. And he said that she seemed to have enjoyed enjoyed Disneyland. I don't know. I didn't write down which ride that she liked, but he did say that she enjoyed it. And during the scene in the movie, you see Walt passing out pre-signed, pre-signed slips of paper. So it's like slip pieces of paper that say Walt Disney, like his signature, and he's just handing those out instead of signing things from people. This is accurate. He would actually go to the parks with slips of paper in his pocket that were pre-signed. So they said Walt Disney. And instead of signing, like someone's like, Walt, will you sign this? He'd just be like, here, take this instead. Um, I can't decide if that's like brilliant or really re- weird. Probably a little bit of both. I mean, it's a lot it's faster. Brilliant. It's brilliant in the time-saving manner of it. Mm-hmm. It's really weird, though, at the same time. Yeah. But he did sign them. It wasn't like he made copies of them. Like, he signed each slip. So it was like an authentic signature. So the people would still get an authentic signature instead of like a printed out one. But he really did do that. Hmm. I wonder if people still like have some of those. Probably. They're probably worth so much money now. Well, not if he. Well, I guess it depends on how many survived children. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah, so in this scene, he ends up taking her to the carousel, like I was saying, and he asks her to ride on the horse named Jingles, and he says that this is Mrs. Disney's favorite horse. This horse was actually his favorite horse in real life, and it didn't have a name until he dedicated it to Julie Andrews after Mary Poppins premiered. Oh my gosh. So it's accurate in the fact that Jingles is the horse's name. But the but the timeline The timeline's all off. Sense. Mm-hmm. But... I think in this case, you're going to probably let it go. Like, yeah. Because that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's still a cool fact. Mrs. Disney's favorite horse was actually a horse named Dent Cell Jumper. And he has a, a gold tooth. So he's the only horse on the carousel with a gold tooth. Is that carousel, is that still the original carousel for Disney? Or have they like ripped it down and put something else up? I don't actually know. It does say that the King, Ar- King Arthur carousel and most of the horses... Are the original. Really? From opening day mm-hmm, back in 1955. Oh, it's almost 200. So, it's well over 100 years old. So almost 100 years old. I thought 19... 1955. 100 would be 2055. Ah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're so yeah. But yeah, Mo- it just says most of the horses. So how many of those horses are the same? I'm not sure. But the carousel is pretty much the same. And like I was saying, there's no actual documentation stating that Mrs. Travers ever actually rode the carousel. When Bill Dover was talking about her being at the at Disney, the carousel's not one that he mentioned. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So then in our next scene, the writers tell Mrs. Travers that they've changed the ending of Mary, of Mary Poppins so that Mr. Banks fixes the kite. Because one of her problems with it was they made him super cruel. And he, she was like, do you have children? Would you tear up your anything that they drew, they drew for you? Or would you not help them fix their kite? So to appease her, they changed the ending, added in the song, Let's Go Fly a Kite, and made him have a change of heart, I guess, with his kids at the end. Oh, okay. That, from what I've read, is pretty accurate, fairly accurate. How much of the ending they changed to make it better for her, I'm not sure. But they did change it because the book ends differently than the movie does. And in this scene, Mrs. Travers has a really great connection with the song, the Let's Go Fly a Kite song, and starts dancing. She dances with 
uh, Ron DeGrati, Don, Don DeGrati during the this driver? Scene. No, he's the screenwriter. Screenwriter, okay. Yep. And this all is inaccurate, though. This whole big scene, besides the part of them changing the ending, the rest, like the dancing with her, all of that never happened. That's because for her, it wasn't this song that like put her into like loving this whole concept. Yes. The song she that actually was annoyed by it because it didn't rhyme. It didn't, or, it didn't sorry, have proper it was, English. It was a uh, grammar. The grammar was incorrect. Exactly. Yeah. So the only song she, she ended up liking, which I believe I've already said is the um, feed the bird song. Cause it's kind of more soft and more melancholy. And in the movie, she says, she actually states the whole grammar part where she says, well, why don't we call, or why, why doesn't it say, let us go and fly a kite? And she tries to like sing it and she's like, mm, that doesn't quite fit. And that's true. <laughs> like she did say like, why don't we change this so that it's proper English? And then you try to sing it and you're like, this doesn't like flow. It doesn't flow as well. I don't understand, but it's proper English. Yeah, but that was one of her biggest hangups with the movie was the American English that they put into her film. She didn't love it. But the song stayed the same. They didn't change it for her. Oh, I mean, you've got to make it the right way. Just because it's correct for her and correct on the paper does not mean that it's the correct way when it's performed. Yes. So then in our next scene, they're talking about the song Jolly Holiday. And that's the song in Mary Poppins that has the dancing penguins. And she asks them about the penguins. And she's kind of making a joke about it. And she's like, I know Disney is great and stuff, but how is he going to train penguins to be waiters? (laughs) And it's actually Ron who's like, oh, because it's a cartoon. And everyone's like, oh, she's not supposed to know that it's a cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) Ron, you fool. Yeah. Don't you know? Why do you not? How come nobody paid it? How come Ron did not pay attention in how, any of the meetings while Walt was them. coughing? Yes. Well, that's probably why. <laughs> 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 so in reality, she didn't know that there was going to be any animation and nobody told her. And so this whole scene where she gets all upset about the animation doesn't happen. She gets upset after the movie premieres because so she, that's when she, she does get out. upset about the animation. But it's Just not after. in front of all the other screenwrites and mm-hmm. the writers and yes, somewhere where it would have slowed down or stopped production. Exactly. So now she's all upset. And after confronting Disney about the animation sequence, she leaves. She goes to the airport and heads home. When she's home, Walt shows up to her door soon after. He t- took the next flight to London after she left because he found out who she actually was because her real name was on her passport instead of her pen name so then he researched her dad found out who her dad was and then they have this whole like heart to heart with their fathers being the same person basically this whole thing is inaccurate he didn't follow her didn't happen at all or just inaccurate didn't happen at all Ah. she spent the whole 10 days there left just fine they put the movie together and premiered it this them having a chat about their dads never happened. Not recorded anyways. Although, yeah. Yeah, there's no record of it happening at all or him going to London at all. Although, while they're having this heart-to-heart, Walt tells her about having to deliver newspapers for his dad. That story is true. He started delivering newspapers for his dad when he was six years old. 
no matter the weather. There could be feet of snow outside. He would get up at 3.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's so... You said six years old? Six years old. I did nothing but sleep at, th- at 3.30 in the morning at six years old. I think most six-year-olds just sleep at 3.30 uh, in the morning. Yeah, that's, that's definitely rough. Yes. And he would, would say that he would, they, he'd be out for hours. He'd go out for hours delivering newspapers, come home in time to get ready to go to school, come home from school, eat dinner, go to sleep to do it all over again. And if anything happened, if he missed a house, anything like that happened, his dad would beat him for it. Oh. His dad was very abusive. Oh, yes. okay. So he got he got the stick a lot. Yes. Yeah, he did. That's quite the... Um, when he's trying to compare the two parents, that's quite different than what Miss Travers had, where she's like, my father was nothing but incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Did everything through what I knew was good eyes. Yeah. Um, and never laid a hand on her, but just died early. So the sorrow mm-hmm. was there anyways, where... yeah. Disney's like, "Mm, my dad was a little bit of a piece of crap. Yeah. I think it was more, in the movie, it just seemed more like connecting the fact that they had problems with their dad. Like, her dad did get kind of mean as he was. They both had daddy issues. They both both did have daddy issues. Um, And while he doesn't mention it in the movie, but in real life, he did state that there there would be different times where he would wake up in the middle of the night thinking that he had forgotten a house and have, and like, have a panic attack basically being like i have to go i have to go right now and get that house or dad's gonna beat me like many times so he was very oh, traumatized as a very, child that's some severe trauma yeah so like i said there's no record of him sharing the story with her but in the movie he does convince her to sign the rights which he already had the rights before she even came long, to LA. long so. before the ten, this whole 10 day adventure exactly so then in our next scene, you see Walt not inviting Mrs. Travers on purpose to the movie premiere. He purposefully states that he doesn't want her there. There's going to be a premiere in London that she could go to because it's, quote unquote, more convenient for her. Not that it was more convenient. He knew that she would cause an uproar. Yes. And that is true. She was not invited to her movie premiere in real life. But she does go anyway. She actually convinced one of the um disney producers i believe to send her an invitation so that she could go whereas in the movie she goes to la walks into disney's office and is like oh my invite probably got lost in the mail right and he's like yeah i'll have another one written for you no she knew she wasn't invited but she convinced someone to send her an invite anyway so she could go so she did show up to the premiere and there's actually video footage of her walking out of her car in the like to the premiere and there's like people dressed up as the snow white and the seven dwarves there's like a mickey there and a goofy there and she's interviewed and the dress that she's wearing in real life is almost exactly the same as the one that emma thompson wears in the movie they like made almost an exact replica oh, really? replication mm-hmm. yeah the only difference is emma thompson's dress has sleeves whereas the real mrs Travers dress had just like spaghetti straps Oh, really? But everything else, there's like a little blue shawl that she wears. There's like a little bow in front. All of that's the same. Yeah. Hmm. And even uh, Mrs. Disney, when she gets out of the car, she's wearing a bright yellow dress in the movie. And in real life, when she gets out of the car, she's wearing a bright yellow dress in real life. It's nice that they, it's it's so easy to get those things right when you've got the, like, the video proof. And you're just yeah. like, let's, why rewrite it? Let's just do it as this is, as we can see it. Right. 
In the movie, it shows Walt being interviewed, but it's just kind of like a side little thing where you see him being interviewed by someone and you don't actually hear what they're saying. I wish they would have added this because it was just like a funny little like, it's just a funny little quote that he says. So he's being interviewed and they have video footage of this. And the interview interviewer tells him that it's speculated that this movie, Mary Poppins, will be the best movie of his career, to which Walt Disney responds with, well, I'm not retired yet. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I wish they would have like, it would have been super easy because you see him getting interviewed in the mm-hmm. movie. Like it would have been super easy for them to just like do that line as she's walking past. I but, think uh, there's definitely that um, where Disney's trying to protect the the image of mm-hmm. Walt. I think and so. That kind of puts him in a little bit <laughs> yeah. more of that. Where he's uh, like, mm, challenge. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Challenge accepted. So then they all sit down to watch the movie, and Mrs. Travers is shown rolling her eyes quite a few times at different things. And during the animated scene, she just, like, puts her face in her hands, like, you've got to be kidding me, type thing. In reality, she got super pissed off during this scene, because it was the first time that she knew. Yeah, the first time that she knew that there was actual animation in it. And after the movie in real life, she told Walt Disney that the the movie was okay, but the animation had to go. And Walt was like, sorry, sorry, that ship has sailed. And just kind of left it at that, which she was so mad about. It's really interesting to me that she didn't like go after him for that because that's part of the contract and it could have made it null. Like the entire 5% that she was going to get and all that kind of stuff, she could have taken away the rights and made it null and void because that was part of the contract was that there was to be no animation. I think his way to be get around that is he granted her script approval, but not animation approval. Ah, yeah. He's like, you uh, see your signature at the bottom. Everything that they're saying is what you said that they could say. Mm. Yeah. I think that I think of something that I was reading. That's kind of how he got around that is that she had script approval, so they did the script the way that she wanted to, but she didn't have animation approval. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So then it shows her crying as it's showing flashbacks to her childhood with her father. And while she really did cry during the premiere, it wasn't because this was like an emotional in her feelings cry. It was a pissed off, I hate everything about this movie cry. And a pissed off, I didn't get my way Yes. cry. Yes, and after the premiere, she didn't watch that movie again for over 20 years. 20 years? Yeah, because she was so mad about it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and she actually put in her will that no American could touch Mary Poppins again. No, wow. So there was someone that made a musical, a Broadway musical, Mary Poppins, and when they were agreeing to those rights, she specifically told them that no American could touch this play. So he did it. So this guy, I don't remember the guy's name. He was able to like put on the play, but Richard Sherman was talking about it and he was like, here it's like, they're using my song still because she approved some of the songs for it, but he couldn't do anything to help with but that, it. So that does that mean that like you, we can never do a Mary Poppins play here in the United States? I don't think so, no. Or does that will, has that will like canceled out or died out since then i'm wondering because i know disney has done like mary poppins returns and and they did this movie saving mr banks yeah there's multiple mary poppins things that have come out so i wonder because all wills have like a termination date Uh uh-huh 
or like like they they live their life cycle and mm-hmm. then they'll stop. Oh, really? And a lot of wills will take everything that was or or trusts will put everything in something and that trust will end eventually and when it does, they dissolve everything. I got you. So maybe cuz I know she died in 94, I think is when she died. 96. Something like that. So maybe it was it's been a long enough time. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like it's I been said, 20. Yeah. So she died in 94. It's been over 20 years. It's been like 30 years almost. Yeah. So it would make sense that they have had that time to yeah. to finally like they've had uh, they've had enough time from when she passed to when they could start doing stuff again. Yeah. Possibly. Because like I said, I know they did a Mary Poppins Returns, which is one of her seven books. Or they just put a Disney studio in Great Britain. And had Great Britain writers. <laughs> they were and like, look, were it's, like, a, <laughs> it's not Americans touching it. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, that was the uh, fallacious and factual side of Saving Mr. Banks. I actually really loved this movie. I, I really like this movie. I think the story behind the story is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to love, but I love Tom Hanks in the, mm-hmm. in the spot, too. Yeah, he did a really good job. I mean, they definitely paint Walt in a very, very good picture. And, yeah. But uh, the, the rest of it is is really, really clever and well told. Yeah, there were a lot of people that had a really hard time with this movie because of, they called it, what did they say? Like it was very whitewashed because of Walt Disney, because it was Disney Studios making a movie about Walt Disney. So obviously he's going to look the best that he could look. When in reality he, oh, he was a he was a tycoon and he was, yeah, very controlling. So he was very mm-hmm. like he fired people all the time. He yeah. like he cut corners on business deals, especially yeah. at a time where cutting corners on business deals was very much in the norm. Yeah, and so with her, like, there's a lot of people that actually really supported her and like her decisions because you can hear in the uh, clips that they have of the recordings. You can hear the passion that she has for Mary Poppins. Like, it's mm. it's her people. So to have Walt go in and change what she didn't want to be changed and then make a movie where, like, she agreed with it, when in reality she didn't, was a little bit like, uh, this is not true. Yeah. So a lot of people had a really hard time with it. But I, I thought the movie was very well done. Yeah. It, it just reminds me of all the, the book-to-movie um, mm-hmm. renditions. There's so many that have done well mm-hmm. and then you have things like aragon which was just so bad Awful. or the golden compass or the golden compass yeah oh, yeah that one was that one was not good i really like his dark materials though that one we need to watch the new we need episodes. to get caught up all right so now we have the factual facts that i add at the end Ooh. of the episode uh, i already mentioned this one that she was bisexual she had relationships many relationships with both men and women she actually lived with a partner for a long time, even like towards the end of her life. And that's another thing that people wish they would have added because the whole scene, there's a scene, I didn't really talk about it because there's not any record of it, but after Mary Poppins um, premieres, it goes back to London and she's there and has like a bunch of money now because of how well Mary Poppins did. And she's talking about writing her next books. At that time, she was actually living with a woman. So they were oh, like, why? Like it would have been easy to like have her there. And not, like, that's not even a washing. Like, that's just the history of it. Exactly. Yeah. But they don't ever talk about that. 
And number two, before she died, she was worried that her adopted son would, quote, booze all of her money away. So she left her money in a trust for her three grandchildren. I remember you telling me she made some money from this. Or is this one of the factual facts that's coming up? Uh, No, I didn't write that down. Oh, okay. Because she made 5% of the earnings, so she made... And how much, how much did how much did uh, money did uh, Mary Poppins make on opening? One hundred and three point one million U.S. dollars. So one hundred and three million dollars. Yeah, she got five percent of in that. the first weekend. Uh, that's just I don't know if that's the first weekend. That just says beating out Audrey Hepburn's My Fair Lady. We just talked about Audrey Hepburn. Mary Poppins was the highest grossing film of 1964 with over $103 million earned in the U.S. and Canada. Oh, that's just in the U.S. and Canada. That doesn't even include Great Britain where that movie would have been even more popular because that's where the books originated. And Mary Poppins Returns made $349.5 million. <sighs> but that was the one that just came out a little that bit That whole ago. estate just makes so much money from a couple of books. It's incredible yeah. where, uh, being a, where a good writer will be take you. Well, and she made seven books, so the fact that only two of them have made into movies is like, you could have made so much more money, but she didn't. Well, because her first experience with book one was was not not so great. Yeah. It really makes me think she was kind of like the J.K. Rowling of her time. Yeah. A lot of people compare her to J.K. Rowling. I guess that makes sense. That really, that really ties, that ties well. Mm -hmm. So then number three, she died in London at the age of 96. Wow, she really like lived a long, stubborn life. She did. She did. Uh, like I said, this is number four. She never accepted Disney's version of Mary Poppins. And on my last one, she wrote seven sequels to Mary Poppins, writing the last one when she was 89 years old. Oh, she was still writing by 89? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you don't... If you love like, doing it. Like, yeah, you, don't lo- you love doing it. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily like put any harm on your body, but still... That's still to be that mentally creative. Yeah, that's a lot. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, that is saving Mr. Banks. Oh, I loved it. Yep. Thanks for joining me again, babe. You're very welcome. This was fun. This was fun. We will see you all next week. What is happening next week? <sighs> see, that's hard to. So there's a few things coming up. I want to do Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that's going to be so fun. But I'm doing that one with Jade, and she comes home this weekend. Unfair. That's it. (laughs) That's it. I'm going to do that one with Jade. So that one will probably be in a couple weeks. Charity is putting together Tick, Tick, Boom right now. Okay. While we are on our cruise, um, I'm going to finish the research for Hidden Figures. Oh, you gave me a small snippet of of the book from Hidden Figures, yeah. and I loved it. There's so much there. That was one of the first ones I was going to do, and I just haven't done it yet because there's so much to research, and it's all so good. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens this next week. Okay. One Sounds of those good. or a surprise. Uh, surprises are always fun for surprise, me. Surprise, surprise. Okay. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram at Fallacious and Factual. That is F-A-L-L-A-C-I-O-U-S-A-N-D-F-A-C-T-U-A-L. You can send us a Gmail with any stories you want to hear at fallaciousfactual at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, keep it factual and... Bye, Fallacious!